You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, welcome. We are so glad that you are here with us this morning. And we have been in a series looking at the characteristics of God. And one of the things that's important, especially at Christmas time, is we get in the habit of, of thinking of Jesus as this, this baby who, who came to this world, and those things are true. But we want to recognize how incredible God is and that He has characteristics that we long for and we need, and we need to behold and look at how incredible God is so that when we see a baby or celebrate Jesus coming to the world as a baby, we're amazed again at how incredible God is. And we don't domesticate God, make him something smaller than who he actually is. We've looked at a couple of characteristics, and today we're going to look at God's justice. We're going to behold his justice together. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 5, and one of the things that is important that we recognize is that all of us, all of us have a longing for justice, and when we see something that's not right, it hurts, and, and we want to change that thing often. It's fascinating how we long for justice when we're offended, but when we're the offending party, we also want grace and mercy given to us want justice sometimes, but mercy other times. One of the times when I was younger, I experienced some justice in my own life. And uh, my sister was in middle school. She's two and a half years older than I am. She had invited her boyfriend over to our home when my parents weren't there. Now, this was a big no-no in my house. You were not allowed to do that. And so my parents found out, my dad got furious, he's on his way home. They were out, they found out while they were gone, he comes home, and her boyfriend had exited the premises for his own safety. He's gone. My dad comes home and he sits my sister and I down, both of us. You're in huge trouble. This should have never have happened inside of my home. And I'm sitting there thinking, why am I here? I don't know exactly what I did wrong. It's her boyfriend. I didn't ask him over here, and I'm here. I don't know why. My sister wisely says, Dad, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. She stands up, and she leaves. I'm saying, I had nothing to do with this. I'm not apologizing to you. I didn't do anything wrong. So then for the next two hours, my father and I sit just looking at each other, and for two hours, if you're in fourth grade with the mentality that I had, that might as well have been an eternity. It felt like forever. I'm ready. We weren't playing video games. We were just looking at each other. <laughs> Sitting there, furious. This is wrong. Why am I here? My dad says to me, hey, you could have called us. You could have told us what was going on, and you didn't. You chose not to do that. So now you're in trouble, too. Eventually, I apologize. I'm recounting the story to my dad just a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, why, Dad? Why would you do such a horrible thing to a child? It's brutal. 
And he says, well, well, Brandon, the reason I got so upset is uh, I had just found out before this whole thing went down that your sister, who was in middle school at the time, was waking up in the middle of the night and riding her bike over to this young man's house in the middle of the night. Now, those of you who are fathers of daughters, you know that this is a capital offense. It changed my perspective. I realized, wait a sec, this was much more serious than I thought it was. And I have a lot more sympathy as a father of a daughter than I did then. You know, justice, it matters. But what we often do is we think from our perspective, like in my little world, this felt wildly unjust. But then as I got older and I had my own daughter and I got a little bit more of the story, I realized, wait a sec, I I get it. I kind of understand where you're coming from. If that's the case with me, I wonder, can we change our perspective in when we think that things happen unfairly in this world, we could look at God and humbly say, I don't know the things that you know. I don't understand the things that you understand. And your justice is different than mine. You need to be my ultimate hope for real justice because it doesn't fully exist in this world. And we keep trying. We keep trying to make things better. We keep trying to make the world a a better place. But for some reason, somehow, it's still broken. Bad things still happen. N.T. Wright says this about justice. How does it happen That on the one hand, we all share not just a sense that there is such a thing as justice, but a passion for it, a deep longing that things should be put right, a sense of -of out-of-jointness that goes on nagging and gnawing and sometimes screaming at us. And yet, on the other hand, after a millennia of human struggle and search and love and longing and hatred and hope, and fussing, and philosophizing. We still can't seem to get much closer to it, to justice, than people did in the most ancient societies we can discover. You see, when it comes to justice, we don't have any hope in and of ourselves. Because we don't see the whole thing. You could try to say, hey, that was wrong, I'm going to fix it, but you don't know everything that's taken place. We need to humbly say, God, I need to leave that to you. I heard a pastor say once that when it comes to my wrath, it's always going to be too much or too little, but God's wrath is always just right. God's wrath is always just right. You see, when we stand before the throne of God, the just throne of God, three things happen. And we're going to see this in Revelation chapter 5. We are powerless. We're powerless before God's justice. We can't do anything to save ourselves, to fix our situation. Jesus is the only one who is qualified, and salvation is ultimately purchased. In verses 1 through 4, Revelation 5, we get a picture of the throne room of God, God's justice and righteousness on display. We've, we've seen the throne room when we looked at Isaiah together. 
We get another picture of it through John's vision here. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. Verse 4, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. The scroll represents God's plan, His ability to make all things right and fix the wrongs. And it's in His right hand. It's on both sides. It's sealed completely with seven seals. And John's reaction as they're calling out, is anybody worthy to come forward and fix this problem to bring God's plan to fruition? Can anybody come forward? John just weeps because they look all over the earth and on the earth and under the earth and not a single creature is worthy to come forward in God's righteousness and His justice and open the scroll. John sees that there's a problem and it doesn't seem like there is a possible solution, so he weeps. He's broken. One of the appropriate responses to the brokenness of this world, when we see brokenness around us, is, is to weep. To say, oh, God, why? I I know I can't fix this. There has to be a solution. And what comes from brokenness is a longing for something greater, something more, something outside of ourselves that can fix it. I was uh, doing a project at my house. I I talk about these things sometimes, almost hurt myself. People come up to me a lot like, why don't you ask for help? It's because I'm a guy. I'm a guy. I don't ask for help. I just try to do things. And so we're outside, and there's 220 volts of power coming into this box, and I'm trying to figure out how to wire this box up so it sends power where I need it to go. And I'm out there, I'm working on it, and I'm with a guy who is helping work on the hot tub, and, and, and he comes out and he says, hey, if, if you can, uh, I, I think this switch that needs to be, uh, have higher amps, let's, let's go figure this out. We spent half the day trying to get a different switch, and, and we're working together, and I had FaceTimed a different guy, and I was like, hey, what do you think? He's like, well, that sounds good. And so we spent a couple of hours trying to work on this project to to rewire it and and get a different switch that would maybe work. A couple hours go by. And I I start to think to myself, like, maybe I should contact an electrician who knows what they're doing. And my normal electrician that I go to is YouTube, but then I thought, (laughs) maybe like a human. And, And so I called... Uh, Neil, my buddy Neil, this guy's amazing, and he's like, hey, well, you know, I, Neil's got a way of talking. He's like, well, I can be over there in a little bit, you know, so he, he gets in his truck, and he comes over, and he says, well, I was thinking about what you said, and uh, I think your problem is uh, there's a line and there's a load. Uh, there, the line should come out of the house one way, and the, and the load leaves the box and comes out, and those were switched, the, the power was going into the wrong end of the electrical box. 
And he says, look, you switch that around and, and your problem's fixed. You see, before he stepped in and saw what the actual issue was, I could have switched every wire and the problem would not have been addressed. It wouldn't have fixed itself. I needed to contact somebody who knew what they were talking about. He, sit, he sits there, he's like, look, just switch this wire to this side of the box and everything is going to work fine. But in myself, I did not have the solution. I was running to all of these different things. I was like, well, maybe this wire isn't connected correctly and I'm disconnecting things. I'm rehooking them up. I'm pulling things apart. And nothing that I was going to do was fi- would fix the problem that was in front of me. And this is the very situation that we find ourselves in. In front of a a problem that we think that we can fix. We think that we can fix justice. Like, hey, I I can make justice happen. I I can fix the brokenness inside of myself. I'm going to read this self-help book, or or I'm going to get this new job. I'm going to get a different degree. I'm going to find the right person to marry. I'm going to attend the right college. Then that'll fix what's broken inside of me. You see, but what happens to all of us when we think those things will fix us is what happened to John. You'll end up in a place of weeping. You'll end up in a place of brokenness. Like, God, I thought this was the thing, but it it wasn't. It's not going to fix me. I'm still broken. John weeps, and we are powerless. And the thing that's so important about recognizing our own weakness and brokenness is it humbles us to a point of longing for something outside of ourselves. John comes to a place where he's weeping, he's broken, he can't fix it. But then verse 5 happens. Verses 5 through 7. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll in its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which were the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. The elder comes to John. He's weeping. It's like there's nobody who's worthy. The elder comes and says, Look! Take your eyes off of the brokenness of the situation. You feel hopeless. Look at Jesus. Look, the Lion of Judah. And and watch the progression that the person of Jesus takes in this passage. It's amazing. First referred to as a lion. Like the Lion of Judah, he stands over there. And then John says he looks, but he sees a lamb who was slain. The lion, the lamb who was slain. And then he says... But the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes. Horns in the Bible are a sign of power, and the number seven is the number of perfection. Perfect power expressed in the person of Jesus, seen in this passage. 
The Lion of Judah sacrificed as the Lamb of God. And then he has seven horns and seven eyes. And he can see all the corners of the earth. Perfect strength and perfect wisdom to accomplish the will of God. The perfect person for the job. The qualified one. When no one else in heaven or on earth or under the earth was qualified to break the scroll, open the scroll. You know, there are situations where we feel unqualified in this world. We feel like we're not the person for the job. We, it, we don't fit. You know, there's a comedian who was talking about a time that he got invited to be a part of a celebrity golf outing. And every group of golfers had their own celebrity. And he walked up to his, his foursome, his group that he was going to golf with. And, and he walked up to them and they're just chit-chatting. And one of them says, hey, I wonder who our celebrity is going to be. And he's like, yeah, me, who's going to be our celebrity? And then he like realizes, oh, no, wait a sec. I think I'm the celebrity. He tells his golf, golf outing, he's like, oh, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell you. He's apologizing to them. I'm so sorry. I'm your celebrity. And he's like, well, if this is disappointing for you, imagine what it must feel like for me, like this celebrity who nobody knows about happens to be spending time with this foursome golfing. You know, he just felt inadequate. Life has a way of making us feel this way. But when somebody shows up who's able to do the job, changes everything. Like if you, if you chanced upon an accident where, where somebody was injured and their life was threatened and you came up and, and you started to try to help these people that were hurting. But then an actual ER doctor comes up and they're the best ER doctor in the world, the natural response would be to step back and say, hey, no, you're the person for the job. You go, go for that. I'm, I'm just trying to help and, and not harm anything. But if there's somebody who can do it, get out of the way and, and let them do it. You see, our, our culture is trying to tell you that you're enough. That you can figure it out. Just do it. Just go for it. You can be anything you want to be if you just put your mind to it. You can't. You aren't the answer. We need somebody who's qualified. It's not you and it's not me. Amen. Just turn your eyes to look at the Lion of Judah, the one who is qualified. The Lamb of God. The Lion of who becomes the Lamb, who is slain, who has all power and all wisdom to accomplish the will of the Father. See, we're, we're helpless before God's just throne, before His justice. We're not qualified, but Jesus is. But then we're told of the salvation that He purchases for us in verses 8 through 12. And then he had taken it, he had taken the scroll. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language 
and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. You are worthy to take the scroll. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe in every language. You see, the wrath of God is part of who he is. And his justice has to exist. We all long for justice, but that standard can't come from within us because your idea of justice is different than mine. But there's one true standard of justice, and it exists in the person of God. We long for justice. We want for it to take place, but it will only rightfully take place in God's economy. You see, we all owe a debt before God's righteous throne. It's a debt that can only be paid by sacrifice. And we're told here that the blood of Christ covers that debt. All of the sin that exists in this room will be punished and paid for by one of two things. It will either be punished and paid for by you and in you, or it will be paid for by the blood of Christ on the cross. God's justice will be satisfied and salvation was purchased. And, and I know that sometimes sin can feel overwhelming. This, this world can feel so broken and so messed up and you look around and you think about abuse and, and horrible things that have taken place. I was trying to think of something that's wildly destructive. And sometimes I watch these, these nature shows and, and I'll watch sort of videos of volcanoes erupting. And imagine if you're like in Hawaii and there's a volcano that erupts and this lava that's from the center of the planet is flowing and just destroying everything in its path, burning it 2,000 degrees. It seems like nothing could stop this. It's just destroying homes and forests. And it's just burning through until it reaches what? The ocean. And as hot and as bad as the lava is, the ocean is more. The ocean is stronger than the lava. And it will be stopped and quenched by the power of the magnitude of the waters. You see, sin is destructive and it is brutal. And it is painful, but when it meets God's grace, there is more grace than there is destruction. There is more love than there is sin expressed in the blood of Christ. Many of us can look back on our lives and just say, God, how, how could you want or love someone like me? You see, but God knew 
every sin that you would ever commit, every sin that I would ever commit, yet still goes to the cross to accomplish the justice of God where all of these characteristics of love and justice and mercy and grace converge. At the cross, in the blood of Christ. You see, it's not about what you've done, the destruction that maybe sin has had in your life, in your story. It's about the fact that the one who is worthy, the perfect Lamb of God, shed His blood so that He, the true rightful Son of God, would be cast out of the presence of God and feel all of His judgment so you and I can come home as sons and daughters and be set free. This is the hope of Christ. This is what the longing of justice points us to. We're going to watch a video of Ravi Zacharias just discussing God's justice and the importance of that existing at the same time. This is forgiveness and grace. And we'll watch this video and then unpack it together for a few minutes. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise, honor, and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Every person, every creature, every soul that has ever lived will one day declare together 
To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. You know, sometimes I hear the sentiment, the idea that, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to live however I want. You know, I'd, I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. You hear people say these things. Everyone will serve God. And if you're in hell under the wrath of Him, it doesn't mean you're separate from God. It means that you will recognize His kingship. No matter what you think, there is a true justice standard out there that we all will deal with. And it's either in the presence of God made righteous through the blood of the Lamb who was slain, or it is fully under the wrath of God, separated from Him. And here's the thing. If you're just checking this church out, you're like, hey, I, I'm just visiting. It's Christmas time. I, I want to hear an upbeat message. You know, it's, I, I want you to hear that there is brokenness in this world, and sin can cause us to weep. But let me just say to you, as the elder said to John, look, the Lion of Judah, who is worthy to open the scroll. You know, this is the one we worship. This is what we celebrate when this baby came to earth, the, the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. He died for us to satisfy His justice. And God's grace, the ocean of His grace, is by far greater than the destruction of sin in our lives. And it is the hope of every man, woman, and child that's ever lived. This is the good news. God's justice exists perfectly with His grace and mercy. And we see it all on the cross. Satisfied wrath. Unquenchable love. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook. 